Would you join me in prayer? Wow, Heavenly Father, there is none like you. We pray that in these spaces today that you would be blessed, that your name would be glorified, and that you would be welcomed. We thank you that in your presence there is goodness, there is joy, and there is fullness of life. And yet we recognize that we come into this place with different burdens, with different emotions. And so friends in Christ, would you take a minute and just commune with God. Share whatever you brought with you this morning. And then would you ask him to help you for these next moments to lay those things at his cross so that our hearts would be open to receive, our hearts would be open to the good news that he has for us. And now we, may we join together to pray the words that Jesus taught his friends to pray. If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. A quick question, a important question. How many of you have made it to the state fair already? Yes. Okay, so about half here in the sanctuary. Curious as to what it is in the, in the auditorium. I asked that question in the eight o'clock service um, because I wanted to know what energy levels I was, I was playing with. And actually, about 50% there raised their hand, and they had high energy at the 8 o'clock service. So, I mean, no, no pressure here at all, um, but they, they had a lot, of, a lot of energy. And based on, I don't know what it was like in the auditorium, but based on that opening worship set here this morning, um, we've got a lot, of, a lot of space for the gospel, the good news today. We went to the state fair yesterday. I don't know why this is, but when I walk through the state fair, like all these childhood memories just keep coming back. And I share childhood memories and, um, you know, kids, students, you know, cute eye rolls from my own, uh, from my own kids sometime. But I was actually going to start today's message back when I was a kid. So I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s, right? And Uncle Carl was my history teacher. So, well, Uncle Carl and a few, a few other sources. So Billy Joel wrote this song in the late 80s, and he began writing uh, this list of historical people events starting in his birth year of 1949. So maybe you'll remember some of these. And this, song, this is just kind of a, a side note, fun thing. This song hit number one on the billboards, knocking off Millie Vanilli's Blame It on the Rain, all right? <laughs> Maybe some of you under 30 are like, what is that, huh? Look it up. Uh, but this song provided a generation of kids like me some valuable history lessons. Uh, some of the lines went like this. Wheel of fortune, Sally ride, heavy metal suicide. Foreign debts, homeless vets, AIDS, crack, Bernie gets. 
Hula Hoops Castro, Edsel is a no-go. Jubby Checker Psycho, Belgians in the Congo. Birth Control, Ho Chi Minh. Richard Nixon, back again. Moonshot, Woodstock, Water Grape, Punk Rock. Begin Reagan, Palestine, Terror on the Airline. Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it, but we tried to fight it. It's true. We didn't start any of those fires. Kind of a catchy little tune about some of our earthly realities, isn't it? And yet, we've been learning all summer long to be resourced, to renew our minds, to have Christ's minds. So yes, these earthly realities are happening. They have happened. They're currently happening. Things are hard. There are hard, hard things. And renewing our mind in Christ and having the mind of Christ, it doesn't take away that there are hard things. But we enter into these things with the mind of Christ. Because our story is part of a much larger story. There's a novelist, Paul Kingsnorth. He writes, all day, every day, we, under we use narratives to try and make sense of the ongoing confusion of reality, of this business of being human. So a question we need to ask is, what is the story that you're living in? Now, those of us who've come to church regularly, we know the answer, the right answer, right? In Sunday school, most of, most of the answers are Jesus, and that's true. But have you ever stopped to think about that? We're living in God's story. We know that every human heart on this planet is beating because Jesus Christ himself is sustaining it. Every breath that you and I are taking in this moment and the next and the next are given because God is ruling everything. He always has and he always will. This is a favorite picture of mine, uh, of our story. If I could get that timeline slide up there. And if you have been a part of the infant baptism services, I see uh, several familiar faces. This might look familiar to you. See, we have our God who loves us, Alpha and Omega. He has no beginning and he has no end. He created us male and female in his own image. We fell short. But he traveled the cosmos to get us back. That's exactly what he did. He entered into a covenant with one man, Noah. And then he entered into a covenant with one family, Abraham, one nation, Moses, one tribe, David. And then the message that he was coming to rescue us spread through the prophets. There was silence. And then Jesus came. And since then, we have been living in Jesus' upside-down kingdom. He handed this message to Peter, to Paul, to the apostles. It goes on from generation to generation. And now you and I, we have our part in the timeline. This is our time to know and to share the good news of the kingdom. Now, we celebrated the story of God and the story of us last weekend, if you were here we uh, have celebrated baptism, so one way to take place in this story is through our sacraments, the Lord's Supper, and also in baptism. We say yes to the covenant, and we enter, we say we'll die to ourselves, 
so that we can rise to new life in Christ. Could I get a couple pictures of those baptisms? Many of you are here. They understand they're part of the story. God loves, sin destroys, but Jesus comes and he gives new life and freedom. And then we commit to living for Jesus. Now, if any of you in this room are getting a stirring and would like to learn more, please see a pastor or a consistory member because we're gonna celebrate baptisms again on August 27. I can tell you we already have multiple responses of folks who are ready to take part in the sacrament. The reason why we're gonna do August 27 is because that's gonna be the end of the series that we're starting, starting today. So at the end of that series, we're gonna talk about what we're gonna do with our story, our part on the timeline, individually as well as collectively as a whole church. And I'll start this morning with how we're gonna end. We're gonna ask you on August 27 to sign a commitment card. And would you consider building God's kingdom, can I get slide 15, by recharging, by blessing, and by training. Each week we're gonna take a piece of this card and unpack it a little bit. Some of us in this room, we might choose one thing we're gonna do. Some two, some three. Whatever you choose, we're gonna ask that you would commit to doing that until the end of this year. So for the next four months. Now we're not gonna be prescriptive on how many or what you should choose, recognizing that we're all in different places and spaces in our spiritual journey. But we're gonna ask that whatever you choose, you go all in. You build. You build for the kingdom and for his purposes. As we build, his kingdom comes through us. As we build, his will is done. And we wanna proactively partner with God in this season. Now there will be different practices that are uh, unpacked during each of these weeks, during recharge, bless, and train. And these aren't the only ones for us to engage in. But I just wanna show you very briefly, if I could get slide, I think it's 14. These were very intentional. And so if you were with us uh, over Easter or this spring and you saw Bill and Christy Gaultier's Christ Stages, I'm not gonna go through each one of these, but the soul care practices that we're asking you to engage with help to move through these, this cycle. And these are just developmental stages of emotional and spiritual growth. They build on each other. The one before prepares for the next one. But it's not a linear journey. It's a very circular journey. Basically, it's a journey of following Jesus in increasing grace. As we go through each one, we understand the more of his kingdom. There's, a, there's more to his fullness, more to being fully alive. And so we're hoping these practices help us to work through, work through our journeys. Our spiritual practices and, and disciplines are different depending where we are in the journey. But we know a couple things. It's important to celebrate each stage. It's important that we don't compare ourselves with one another. And it's also important to offer empathy 
to one another as they are also on their own journey and going through things. So again, these practices are not exhaustive, but we're hoping they're intentional to move you through these Christ stages as we recharge, bless, and train together. Today, we're talking about recharge. Next week, Darren Wogan will be here with you for bless, and that is also bless to bless Sunday, so remember to bring your walking shoes. So we come, we, look, we worship, we learn, and then we go out into our community, blessing our schools and our neighborhoods. And then the third week, the final week, Clay is going to be talking about training. We're going to be celebrating baptisms and completing these commitment cards. So on one hand, we have a new ministry season among us. This is preparing us for that. And on the other hand, this was inspired by the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now, a little backdrop for that book. If I could get the map, I think it's pay, or slide seven. You can see here, kind of in the center of the screen, Thessalonica is the capital and largest city of the Roman Empire in the province of Macedonia. And the Ignatian Way, which was the most important highway from Rome, connecting Rome to Asia, Asia Minor, went through Thessalonica. So this highway, along with the city's thriving seaport, made Thessalonica one of the wealthiest and most flourishing trade centers in the Roman Empire. This was recognized as a free city. It was allowed to self-rule, exempted from most of the restrictions placed by Rome. However, there was an international flavor there. Many pagan religions, cultural influences that challenged the faith of the young Christians there. So in Acts 17, we read about Paul's second missionary journey and his establishment of the church in Thessalonica. And most scholars agree that the book of 1 Thessalonians was written only months after Paul had been there and established that church. Now, if Billy Joel had written for the Greco-Roman culture, it might have went something like this. Earthquakes leave despair, persecution everywhere, riots in the Roman streets, Caesar's concert, new beat, new religions every day, exhortion on the highway, Estrin music, Parthian wars, I can't take it anymore. We didn't start the fire. It's always been burning since the world's been turning. It's a good thing I had to help my daughter with West Civ tests, huh? <laughs> Just kidding, I don't remember most of it. I had to research most of it, but it... Uh, it did spark some good conversation. In the book, 1 Thessalonians, Paul shares his gratitude for the young Christians for accepting the good news of Jesus Christ. He desires to encourage them, and he provides practical advice for being a disciple when culture was full of mayhem. Now, in terms of some of the meta-themes of this book, there are lots of different scholars with lots of different explanations. But it was interesting, one thing that is agreed upon by most of the scholars is the proper response to Jesus Christ's return. If you think back to the timeline we showed at the beginning of this service, that arrow at the bottom, it continues to go. But the next mark on that timeline, thank you, is Jesus' return. And so in in 1 Thessalonians, there is just a lot of controversy about when Jesus Christ is going to return 
and how they should respond with their lives, living holy lives until his, until his return. I think they were probably asking questions like, would it really happen? Would it be in their lifetime? How do they continue to live in the present? Will God be more available in the future than he is now? What is the basis for our hope? It's kind of interesting that we still ask those same questions today, don't we? Is the Lord's return going to be in our lifetime? How should we then respond? How should we live in our daily lives? Will God be more available? What is the basis for my hope, for our hope? Now we read in 1 Thessalonians that people chose to quit their work because they believed that Jesus' return was so quickly. They were convinced that they were going to see Christ in their lifetime. And what that led them to was they just wanted to disengage with everything else. But Paul comes and he says, no, don't disengage. In fact, come together and encourage one another. In your day-to-day lives, let Jesus' words, let Jesus' influence, let the Holy Spirit work through you and continue to build his kingdom. So our sermon series is called, What Can We Do? Or better yet, What Can God Do? As we allow his kingdom to flow through us. And a word that's important for us to understand in, con- in the concept of this book is a word called parousia. And parousia is a Greek word used to describe the second coming of an emperor. So the Roman world sat on major fault lines and they experienced major earthquakes. The emperor, after an earthquake, would visit the city to survey the damage. Now think about a sitting president visiting a natural disaster kind of what it looked like. And that emperor would leave a large sum of money or resources in order for the city to rebuild. And everyone knew that the emperor would return one day and see what the city had done. And they would have to give an account for what the emperor had left. This was called, the second return was called the parousia. We know from our history books that Thessalonica experienced at least two earthquakes in the first century. So, some common themes in Perusia. One, there would be a trumpet sound. The lookout for the city would use a loud trumpet to announce the emperor was coming. The, city didn't, the people of the city didn't want to be caught off guard. They wanted to be prepared for his arrival. Second, the emperor would pay respect for the dead. City cemeteries often sat by the city walls And so the emperor, as a way to honor that city, would stop and honor those who had given their life so that that uh, city could flourish into what they now enjoy. For us in America, we can think kind of like Arlington. And then third, they were caught up in meeting the emperor. The people of the city would go out to meet with him with joy and show him the city, the great work that they had done, what they had done with his resources. Look at how we rebuilt things, new homes, new water systems, new statues, etc., new ways of life. The goal in a parousia was about honoring the emperor to make things better. 
And Paul uses this analogy in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Specifically, if you read through it in verse 16, he says, Jesus is coming. There's a loud, there's going to be a loud trumpet sound. There is going to be the dead that join with him. And then the king is going to ask, what have you done with the resources that I have given you? Now, part of what Paul is doing in this verses, in bringing it back to Perusia, specifically verse 16 is when, he ta- is, is when in the original text he talks about the Perusia. He's laying that theology of a physical participation in the story of God. He's saying encourage one another. Encourage one another with the resources that the Lord has given you. Show honor to your king. Show honor to King Jesus. Be ready to give that account of what you have done with this place. How have you been a builder? How can we be a builder of his kingdom with the resources that he has given us? Now let's step back into this moment. As I was praying for today and as I look around the room, I've been praying for all of you I think of the incredible resources that the Lord has given us. There's wisdom, there's discernment, there's joy, there's light, there's financial resources. There are incredible, incredible resources in this place. And someday we know God's going to come and say, what have you done? Have you helped me build my kingdom? Have you helped my kingdom come here on earth? And as we do that, his will is done. And his kingdom spreads and his kingdom advances. And then we, friends, rewrite history. So today, we're going to focus on the first step, recharging. Webster, restore an electrical charge by connecting it to a device that draws power from another source. We're called to draw strength and power from our almighty God. That's our first step. So sorry about this. It took about two-thirds of uh, the time that I have to set up the series, to set up where we're going, and now we're getting to the message. But I promise it won't be as long as the first half, all right? I, I can promise you that. So a little, a little bit awkward. The scales aren't the same today. But here's our sermon in a sentence. Slide number 11. We love others best when we love God the most. Can you say that with me? We love others best when we love God the most. Friends, at the end of the day, we don't build and we do not, we do not manufacture things in our own strength. But what we can do is make space for God. We can make space to recharge, to determine those ways that we can become a people where we develop things that keep us connected to God, that keep us connected to our power source, to allow him to be the one to direct our steps. The late Dallas Willard, and this is on slide 12, once said, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. 
Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the north star of our inward beings. In order for us to love others well, we must first be connected to the source. You want to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 3, 11, 13. And here's where we find we love others best when we love God the most. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11, 13. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. I'm going to read that again. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May he strengthen our hearts. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Now remember, in this, Paul is writing to the young Christians in Thessalonica to encourage them. So when facing great persecution, when culture is crazy, this is what Paul hopes for, for the Christians, that they would increase and overflow. And this happens when we're first connected to God. A different translation of this from the message May God our Father himself and our master Jesus clear the road to you and may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you. I'll read that again. May the master pour on the love so it fills and splashes over on everyone around you. May you be infused with strength and purity, filled with confidence in the presence of God our Father when our master Jesus Christ arrives with his followers. When we love God the most, there is this transaction where he fills us with his love. We can't wait to recharge. And we get to taste the things that Paul is talking about in this passage. Recharging brings us to a place where we are infused with strength and purity. Recharging puts our confidence not in ourselves, but in God. Recharging makes us a people of presence. It gives us space to live our lives where we can just love, love God, and love others. For we love others best when we love God the most. Four things we're going to ask you to consider to pray about as we go through in recharging. The reason why we're asking you to do this is so that our inner realities will lead to a kingdom lifestyle. So if, if and, and I'm going to be pretty direct here, if you're here today playing church, we're glad you're here. We want you to be here. We want to worship we, with you. We want to know you. But would you consider taking the next step of living a kingdom lifestyle where how you are in these walls are the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with your teammates 
in the halls of school as schools are uh, being re reopened, started again. At work, in your homes, in interactions in this community. Would you choose into these things so that we can look more and more like Jesus as we are his disciples? Recharge. Four things. Sabbath, gratitude, community, and daily practices. So Sabbath, we worship together, we rest together, we play together. We know that God loves us. We cease, we rest, we embrace, we feast. We create margin in our lives so we can turn towards God and the things of God. Next one, gratitude. Quick question. Would those closest to you describe you as grateful? Why or why not? One thing you may or may not know, our executive board intercedes for you um, every month. And last Thursday night as we prayed, it's a conference room right back here off the sanctuary. Last Thursday night as they prayed, there was just this wellspring of gratitude that came forward for you, for the third church family, for the things that God is doing in and among us. Do you need to cultivate gratitude in this season? What would be the best way? Daily practices? Maybe weekly? Would you consider writing an entry for Third's Gratitude Journal? Next one, in community. And we're going to unpack this one in a really special way. So I'm just going to say really quickly, some people will recharge as they are known and being known. Are you sharing life with a group of people? Do you want to? What if you did? We'll come back to that one. And finally, daily practices. Do you like your daily practices? Are you able to live in and through the circle of love? Or would you like encouragement with that? We know we become our habits. What daily habits do you want to engage with as you be are becoming more like Jesus? Maybe morning, evening, Bible reading, journaling. Those are the four things we're going to ask you to consider as we recharge. Now, I said we're going to unpack community in a special way. To close our time this morning, we're going to hear a testimony from Lauren Wynn over in the auditorium. She's part of a high school ministry called Third Wave. And Third Wave is a discipleship process about knowing Jesus, believing Jesus, and becoming more like him. High school students and families, if you would like to learn more about this, uh, watch your emails and snail mail. More information is coming soon. But we have asked third wave students if they would share a testimony and kind of lead the way on these commitments. Is there a, a practice that you would be willing to share about, either that you have engaged in or that you would like to engage in? And Lauren has chosen the practice of community. So Lauren, I'm going to hand it off to you, and when you're done, you can just say, ready to go back to you, okay, Katie? Okay, so I'm Lauren Wynn. I'm going to be a senior this year at Pella Christian, which is so scary, and I don't want to be a senior, but here we are. <laughs> um, and unlike Katie's daughter, I was really, really bad at West Civ, so I really appreciated her pictures in the sermon. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> um, and something, so I'm going to be talking about community this time because... Um, Especially being a senior, I think it's really important to invite the freshmen and invite the newbies into um, 
something so great about um, my school and my community, my friends, is that we're really open to talking about our faith. And I just think that's such an important thing as a church community to focus on. Um, so one thing that really stood out to me in the passage is the overflow and love for each other. Because my goal, what I'm gonna try to pursue this season of my life um, is to just, I want people to know me for how much I love them. Like I love the auditorium service and I love the 915 service and the sanctuary service. And although it's really intimidating and really scary, it's really fun to be up here and talk to you guys. Um, so backtracking, a couple weeks ago, Tom Vanderwall talked about inside out thinking and outside in thinking. So outside in thinking is kind of protecting your reputation. It's like a first impression relationship, but for like two years. So that's as deep as you go. Um, nobody knows you're hiding your flaws, you're hiding your past, you're hiding your um, just difficult parts in your life, which is scary to share, absolutely. But then with the inside out thinking, you're presenting yourself very vulnerable and just being really true and authentic to your community. And so that's something I think as we as a whole church need to really start pursuing um, as we love Jesus. I assume we all love Jesus and <laughs> become more um, Christ minded. I think it's really important to also pursue be having an inside out thinking, especially in our community, because that's how we grow in the circle of love and overflow in love, especially. Um, personally, my friends are my favorite people to be around. Like Claire B came and sat next to me because I was so nervous to come up and speak to you guys because you guys are so big and so scary. <laughs> especially in the auditorium, lots of people here. <laughs> um, and so like my friend group in general has just really grown in supporting me and we do love sharing and talking about Jesus and talking about our faith. Um, and I think that really comes from inside out thinking and just knowing because we are so rooted in our faith in Jesus and know that we are loved by Jesus, then we are able to love others greatly. Just like um, Katie's sermon whole said, like once you love Jesus and you know your worth in Jesus, then you are willing and able to easily love others um, and be totally transparent with people. And so that's something that really stood out to me, um, reflecting on this passage for like two weeks, which I never prepare for anything, so this is a big deal. And <laughs> so that's something that really, really stood out to me. Um, so a challenge for our renewing session, I guess, um, is does your community stand? So last week, Kevin, sorry, <laughs> backtracking again. <laughs> last week, Kevin really, or maybe a couple weeks ago, Kevin really <laughs> made a point to like standing like this, like your arms open and you're just like, an act of receiving Jesus and just being totally vulnerable. Cause this is like, this is a vulnerable stance to be in. Like, this is scary. Like you're just like, hey, I'm here. Um, and so my challenge for us to think about um, is does your community stand in this posture to flourish together in the circle of love? And is that what our church community is striving to be like? All done. You got it, Katie. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, Lauren, you're getting a round of applause in the auditorium or in the sanctuary. <laughs> Lauren, thank you for being a builder. And I think you're just going to be so blessed by these third wave students and the ways that they are choosing in to build, build the kingdom. And we're excited for this series. I don't know if you can tell or not, but we truly believe that we can rewrite 
history, when we choose in to using those resources that God has, has given us. And so this might just be a cheesy mom thing, I don't know, but I gave a swing at rewriting a little history. Here we go, closing with this. Taylor Swift, AI, forest smoke in the sky. Unnerving politics, dangerous border conflicts. We didn't start this fire, it's always turning since the world, it's always burning since the world's been turning. Recharge and then we bless. Legacy is kindness. Take time as we train. God's story will always reign. Wisdom, light as we build. God's promises fulfilled. We didn't start the fire, but we're going higher and joining in to heaven's choir. Amen.